Uh, so welcome to this edition, this episode of the Art Business Podcast. My guest this week is Elsa Atkinson, who's a, a former student in my program at Southern Business Institute of Art for the MA Art Business uh, program. Uh, Elsa's a 25-year-old New York City-based contemporary artist and entrepreneur. And as a 2020 Fine Art Bachelor's graduate from the University of the Arts London, and a 2022 Southerners Institute Master's Graduate in Art Business, Elsa's managed to combine both her passion for painting with that of business. Today, Elsa focuses her career on the development of her studio practice, we'll talk more about that later, and her promising startup uh, called Spongy Bags. Uh, uh, that startup has received Sotheby's Institute's recognition last week, May the 18th, 2022, because it gained what we call the Gavel Prize. Uh, it's an enterprise uh, studio prize and has as its core mission to shift the way we package art and create creating a sustainable impact on the art world. Um, so I, I think all of you listening to this will, will find uh, a lot of interest both in um, Elsa's studio art practice and we'll talk a little bit about that later on but also in how she started up this new art business uh, so elsa very you're very welcome and i, I i'm gonna begin <laughs> no problem I'm, I'm gonna begin by asking the the, the, the usual question uh, which is what's your favorite city and why might that be Yes, thank you very much, David, for having me on, on your podcast. Um, so, I mean, my favorite city, I don't necessarily have one favorite city in particular, um, but uh, I, I think they all have their own charm in a way. I, I mean, London, I lived in London for five years, absolutely loved London. Uh, the art scene there is amazing. Now I live in New York. New York has its own on charm too. I lived in Madrid, I lived in Switzerland, Madagascar, they all have their own charm. So I can't actually pick one, <laughs> but uh, I, I just, I love every city really I moved to and I live in. Good, yeah. No, I think that's a, that's a very honest answer and it's probably the answer that I would give, I think, because one's mood changes, you know, cities are very different places. I guess we like, those of us who like city life, it's I guess it's similar in from one city to another. That I, I I would say that the common the common characteristic is that they have an energy. I would say New York has an energy, London has an energy, Madrid has an energy, etc. Yeah. etc. Et and that energy I think varies from place to place. Uh, but but exactly. what about do you like the countryside? And if so, where you know if you if you could head off today to a like a wilderness location, where where might you head? Okay, that, that would most definitely be Madagascar. <laughs> if I were to pick, uh, yes, a place that has wilderness, it would, it would definitely be Madagascar because the animals are, are beautiful, the nature, there's endemic species there. Um, there are, um, I mean, plants and, and trees that you only find in Madagascar and that are just so incredibly beautiful. It's difficult to describe how it is 
in words. I think it's it's a place you just need to visit. And then uh, as you were mentioning the energy and feel the energy there, and then you you will definitely understand what I mean. <laughs> oh, how interesting. But, um, yeah, I, I guess I, I would imagine that most of our listeners have not been to Madagascar. <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> it's not somewhere that you hear people saying they've been to, but you do obviously, other, other than that, we hear quite a lot about Madagascar for, for different reasons. And uh, one of them being it's, it's wildlife and, uh, and, and it's, it's be beautiful nature. So, uh, and, and, and that too, as you say, has its own energies that differ from wilderness location to wilderness location. Yes, and what I what I really like about um, the the country is that it's not really exploited yet as as much as other countries in terms of uh, tourism. So you really get to appreciate the 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 wilderness, as you were saying, um, yeah, in a different way, <laughs> in in a local way. Absolutely, and. Um, I guess slightly going backwards, perhaps, but not necessarily. Um, do you have any favorite architecture, like buildings that you particularly love to visit or be in or around? So again, um, there's not one in particular that I would say is my favorite, but I would say I appreciate historical buildings um, the most because, I mean, when I say historical buildings, it can be Le Corbusier or an anti, I mean, a, a Gothic a church in, in Paris, but anything that has a longstanding history, I appreciate very much um, because I mean, I've, I've, I've studied art history in high school. So I've studied all these important names and, and buildings. So whenever you whenever you know so much about the history of a place, you appreciate it so much more when you when you go to to visit it. Uh, so so yeah, anything that has a history that I know about, I I love. <laughs> yeah, the walls talk, as they say. Yes. <laughs> and um, before we start talking about the visual arts, uh, are you into music? Is there any particular music that you prefer I mean like so for example when you're working or painting do you have a soundtrack on in the background a playlist and if so what might you be playing or are you going mm -hmm. to answer this in the same way by saying that you've got lots of favorites <laughs> <laughs> which is fine so I I actually don't listen to music when I paint I listen to books I listen to mm. podcasts and books so music is not so much it's it's not very me I would say especially when I am working on my art um, in terms of books what do I listen to I listen to a lot of entrepreneurial books uh, business related books art books on on the history of the arts and uh, the art newspaper podcast your podcast <laughs> Uh, anything that's that's educative. <laughs> so when you say books, are you generally listening? You to, to is it sort of mainly podcasts? So you've got a platform like Spotify. There are other platforms available, um, or, or, or do you? Because I think you can subscribe like to to novels and and books that are, are read, and they don't have so many on Spotify because of copyright issues. But I know that there are other platforms, or, or do you tend to listen to more like more podcast type? So I listen, I listen to books on Audible. I use Audible ah. because they, they have a subscription. 
yes. where uh, where you get a free book per month, I believe, or so, for a certain price. So it's actually it's it's so it it ends up being a good a good deal. <laughs> yeah, no, I've often I've often wondered about Audible. So uh, and again, we're not meant to be advertising, I guess, but there are other I'm sure there are other platforms. But um, yeah, I, I I I would find that very attractive listening to books um, because it particularly if you're it if you're pursuing activity where you can't actually be reading because you're using your eyes for your art or your business, it, it's, it's not so easy. So that's, that's a really good idea. And um, thank God for podcasts. I mean, I think it kept a lot of us sane um, during the lockdown. I, I, I think that, I mean, I think a lot of podcasts came out of the lockdown experience. Yes, <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> and what are your earliest memories of do you have any early memories of art, like when you were a kid, or do you have memories that, and or of actually making art for the first time? So art has always um, been within me. My father was an art collector, so I grew up around art around the house and, and art dealers coming to the house and showing art. So, uh, so I, I mean, art has always been around me. Um, but, and so I would paint as well in my free time, but I never, it's never something that I took so seriously until the age of maybe when I was 16 in, in, in high school, um, my professors, I then started taking art more seriously. And my, I had this really great art professor that really pushed me to paint, um, uh, to, to paint things that I would never have thought I would be able to paint. So this art professor really pushed me to my limits, I guess. And I guess that's, that's when I started discovering that I really actually had the, a, a growing talent, I, I guess, in, in, in painting. And uh, so, yeah, but my early memories, I, I always grew up around art and, um, and my, my father would always buy me art materials and, and paint, he was very generous with that. So I would be able to, I was lucky actually, I would be able to go into an art store and buy everything I, I wanted or needed to paint. So yeah, that, those, that's memory. <laughs> that's fantastic. And uh, I, you know, do you, are there any particular artists out there at the moment or from the past that you, that, that you look at? I, I, I think that I th I'm interested in the way you as a, a painter might look at works of art because I think painters and artists often often have different preferences to people who like myself who've studied the history of art. Um, but so so yeah. is there are there any painters that that you really like and because they inspire your own practice? So I love 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 the impressionists. It's a okay. movement that I I absolutely love. My art is does not at all look like impressionist paintings, but uh, they're the way they captured the moment and and just the the impasto textures in their work is I respect them very much um and but then artists I I like and that are I would say inspire my work are a mixture of um contemporary African artists today uh such as Nelson Makamu I, I appreciate his work very much uh, and then, and he also focuses very, very much on, on the innocence of children, which is um, a main focus in my practice. Uh, and then, I mean, there's, there's so many names, 
but um, anything that is very vivid in color and, and, that and that has a story to tell behind it, a strong story to tell is something that inspires me, yes. <laughs> I think that one of the earlier podcasts I did was with a, a, an African artist uh, living in London, Kojo Marfo, um, and I ah. drew an introduction to his show at J.D. Mallet's in Mayfair, and um, he's currently on show in New York, so if that's where you are, um, look it up and pop oh, down there. <laughs> because yes, I, I think... I I think it's the I think what you've just said about color and 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 it's very exciting and I I think it's going to it's already pretty big I think and it's made big impact uh, but um, I think that you'd, you'd you'd enjoy that if it's I think it's still on but look it up okay and, and I, I'm I just looking at um the 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 listeners to the podcast um because I haven't started putting these podcasts on YouTube yet I might do one day but there's a beautiful piece of fabric hanging on the wall behind Elsa and which is which is very brightly colored is that any your work of yours or is that another person's work that you've hung on your wall <laughs> so this is so actually I love art so much that not only do I paint and not only do I have this my startup in the art world but I also collect art a little bit so mm -hmm. uh, this uh, this is an artwork it's a tapestry by an artist called Trish Anderson Mm -hmm. And um, and it's a trompe l'oeil actually. So you think that it's it's it has movement, that it's a, a hung up piece of textile, but actually it's a two D work oh. <laughs> that looks like that. Yeah. But it's a t it, so it's a two D embroidery. So it's a, a flat yeah. embroidery, but 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 she's made it so it looks three D. Exactly. That's amazing, and it really does look three D. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, the our, our, our cameras aren't aren't um, aren't great, but um, you know that's that's lovely, and it 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 looks very exciting and stunning. The colours and so on. Wow, wow. So the that, the name is Trish Anderson. Trish Anderson. Yes. Are they are she's they based in New York? Uh, she's she's based in Atlanta. In Atlanta, yeah. Um, yes. And and Elsa, you're. Elsa Ackerson, the name sounds as though you're, is it from originally Scandinavia maybe, or have you always lived in America? Um, so it's Swedish. So my father Swedish. was Swedish. And so I'm actually mixed race. Um, my, my mother is from Madagascar. That's uh, right. I remember now. <laughs> that's an interesting, that's an interesting pairing. <laughs> so Swedish and, so, and, and, and Madagascan. Yeah. And, yes. But and, I grew up in in um, in Madagascar until the age of nine, but then after that I moved to Switzerland. So I moved. Um, I grew up in Switzerland, and then after that moved to uh, Spain to Madrid for business school, and then that's when I decided to actually drop out from business school and reapply from zero to art schools, which then brought me to London and to the University of the Arts London. So I started everything from scratch, did my bash a new bachelor's there, and then Sotheby's, um, Sotheby's Institute's master's 
in London and then did my third semester here in New York. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. Um, for the benefit of listeners, we our master's degree in London. You can you can actually, if you want, um, a, a, a take two semesters in London. And then instead of continuing and writing a dissertation, a research dissertation, you can go to New York for the third semester. So it's a, and, and, and you can do that vice versa. It's a nice way of mixing those experiences. Are you glad you went to New York? Because did you find it? It sort of gave you a, a third, another dimension. So I'm very happy I came to New York because when you study art business, you you understand that the U.S. is home to the biggest art market in the world. And I mean, more specifically, New York. So it was nice to experience this firsthand in person. It is nice because I, I still am here. <laughs> um and yeah, so it's and and the connections I've made here and the way people see art and and the way people the 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 cultures are very different, I guess. So it's it's very nice to to get to understand what the difference are in person. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And two two great cities. I always think they're very complimentary because, of course, New Yorkers always yeah. say, oh, we've got the biggest art market in the world. But uh, <laughs> no, London, London's the next biggest. And it, they're, they're, they're complimentary. I think they have their own different kinds of charm, I would say. They <laughs> and, definitely are. Yeah. <laughs> Before we move on to your business ideas, um, just a little bit more about your art, uh, Elsa. I, I was just um, because people can, I think uh, I was just do you mind if I give people your your um, Instagram handle name, which is, <laughs> yeah, sure, is that okay? <laughs> which I believe is Elsa Loves Paint. Yes, exactly. Elsa Loves Paint. <laughs> e -E -L -S -A, e -L -S -A, ELSA Loves Paint, all one word. So you can actually have a look at uh, some of Elsa's works there. Would you like to, thinking about the fact that people might be looking at some of the work you put of your own that you put on there, would you like to say more about the kind of media you prefer and your techniques and maybe the, the philosophy and ideas and subject matter behind the work? A little bit about that. Sure. Thank you. So um, my I, I specialize in oil paint and well, figurative oil painting to be spe more specific. And uh, my biggest inspiration in in art is uh, my home, Madagascar and the innocence of the little kids and the um their their that happiness doesn't have a price and uh, i like i like to portray happiness and joy because i think having a, a work of art in your house you'd like to feel good energy uh through that work so i that's what i try to reflect and and create through my art and um, it's also, I use very bright colors as well, the colors that inspire me in the moment. And lately that's been a lot of blue and a lot of yellow and those, the colors on its own, um, what, what they do, well, what I, what I would like them to do is to create a, a, a connection on their own. And, um, and that then creates a story, um, for the viewers so every every viewer creates their own story and and um sees sees my works in different ways and and gets a different understanding from it so yeah i i also enjoy very much uh, hearing what other people feel and and reflect from my work and through my work <laughs> excellent so people are 
welcome to make comments on on Elsa's uh, yeah. paintings on on her on her mm. Instagram site. Um, and um, when when did you start using Instagram? And do you think it's a very useful platform for like creating a, a your artist brand and maybe even do do you ever sell work via the Instagram site? Yeah, so um, I started Instagram using Instagram right before I started art school. Uh, so this was in 2017. And I can see that Instagram is very, very helpful. I mean, a lot of galleries have discovered me through Instagram and I see who follows me. And I, so whenever I see uh, an important name in the art world who follows me, it's always such an exciting moment. Um, but I think it's, it's a platform that is very important for artists today, very useful. Um, I mean, everyone uses Instagram today. <laughs> so yes, it's, it's definitely a platform that's, that should be used as an artist. And I've, I've also received interest and, and clients through Instagram. So um, yeah, definitely have Instagram if you're an artist. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. So, um, oh, just before I forget, I just had looked up Kojo's show. It's on until June and it's at 507 West 27th. Uh, and oh. it's it's called Gatekeepers of Heritage, which is interesting. Okay, thank you. So I, I think it's I'll, probably I'll... a pop up rather than a, at a at a gallery. Um, okay. The the other thing is Georgia Dimmer, who's another person that's been on my podcast, another a, a young London artist, London based artist that's currently studying at the Slade. Still, she's coming to the same spot I think later on so um, it's just it I'm just saying that because it's just interesting for um, listeners to 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 realize that you know we're still we're living in a very international art world at the moment thank god yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um so coming on to your 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 entrepreneurial ideas you describe yourself as an artist and an entrepreneur so um tell us about this idea that you had and, and and maybe something about where you know where did the idea first come from for spongy bags which is the name of your company yeah so um the idea of spongy bags came about in june july 2021 so not even a, a full year ago yep. um and the so i was at home painting and uh, i had to ship some works uh to i believe it was a well, there were two paintings I had to ship to a collector and there was a few others that I had to ship back for an exhibition to Paris. And I was in Madagascar at home and I was thinking, well, there's, there's so much bubble wrap being used. It's very tiring, it's very wasteful. And it takes you and it really does take you an average 15 to 20 minutes to wrap just one painting the right way. So your back starts hurting and I, I thought I really need a better solution. And um, also something that's more aesthetic and respectful for, for my clients, uh, because I mean, receiving a, a painting um, that's, that's wrapped in, 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 in a way, I mean, firstly, I'm sorry, I'm trying to find a way to explain this. We're, firstly, we're in the arts. So you, you'd expect the packaging to be artsy or aesthetic, but it's not. And so um, then I, the idea of spongy bags came about and I had, I, I had a few uh, 
a, a few a few prototypes made and then i mean we had more and more prototypes made after that as we were improving the product and uh, to begin with i actually i was just looking for a product to facilitate my life when it comes to packaging art and something respectful and that would stand out from the rest um <laughs> so this was my selling point i guess as an artist i wanted to be that artist that is different to the rest um, but then my mother, she told me, well, you know, Elsa, if you're having this problem, everyone else in the art world must also be having this problem. So it's something you, I really think you should introduce this to, to, to the rest of the art world. And at the beginning, I thought, well, mm, no, I don't want to because I, I want to stand out again. But then I guess mothers are always right. So uh, that's what I did. I, I, I created a startup out of it. And then from from the beginning, we've received so much feedback um, before before even our company um, launched properly and was registered properly. We already received uh, interest from from galleries, art galleries, who who were sending us messages from Hong Kong, from London, from all these other countries, say inquiring about about the product and and asking where they could buy it, which just shows the the urgency really of of the product and and the problem. <laughs> so rewinding a little, you could you tell us about the bridge between using this, deciding that you wanted to package your own art with this new material or this new idea for for packaging material. And then these galleries becoming interested in it. If you could just fill in that that gap. So when when did when did the kind of when did it become like a, a concrete business action? As so it were? I I registered the business in October in the U.S. It's a Florida registered company. Mm -hmm. Um, in summer, I created an an Instagram page for spongy bags, and I started posting about spongy bags on my art Instagram. And that's when I started getting all these art galleries to follow my spongy bags account. And, and within the same two, three days, I received, I started receiving two or three galleries messaging me on the Instagram um, account of spongy bags. So, so our company in Mad so it's a company that's also registered in Madagascar. And the registration of Madagascar happened in August. So I started selling spongy bags through our Malagasy company uh, within the month of August. That's amazing. That's so, <laughs> so, so I noticed, I was just having a quick look. So your painting Instagram, which has been around since 2017, I think you said has like yeah. over 3,000, three and a half thousand followers. The spongy bags has less at the moment, but I guess that's like no surprise because it's only been up and running for a few months. Uh, but yes. I guess you're now hoping to build up that following so that it turns into the thousands. Um, so maybe you could say something about, but actually maybe rewinding a little, could you explain to the listener who, who has no visuals um, it, what, what, what it actually is and what it's made of and where your materials are sourced and so on? Okay, so um, a spongy bag is made of three layers. There's the outer layer that's um, that's made out of strong canvas cotton, and then you have an inner lining, which is made out of a product that's 
um, a replacement. I mean, it's a sponge product, but it's a, a eco-friendly alternative to sponge. And then you have the inner lining that's also, um, that is a very smooth inner lining that's made to replace acid-free paper. So I would say to, to, to describe spongy bags in, in, in short, it's basically an all-in-one product because the way you package art properly is you need to wrap your painting firstly with acid-free paper and then on top of that bubble wrap and then on top of that use tape. And then some people also like to use cling film and or some people also like to put additional paper around that. And then over that, if they need to carry the work somewhere, they will also use an additional rope or try to create a handle out of tape. But I mean, it, it's you can just picture how messy that is. <laughs> so a spongy bag is an all-in-one. We've also added handles. And on the larger sizes, uh, spongy bag sizes, we've added side handles as well. So it's extremely easy to carry when you're two people carrying the works. It's very easy to handle and transport. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, it's a very basic product, but one that we'd like to think goes a very long way. <laughs> and do you make them in different sizes or, or do you make them to order depending on the size someone wants? Yeah, so the sizes come in nine standard sizes, but we also custom create specific sizes. So if you're a, an artist that only works in a, a very specific size, we can make it happen for you. And the advantages uh, of Spongy Bag is that we also uh, logo print and customize color. So um, if you're a if if your gallery has one color. Um, that represents the gallery, we can create a spongy bag within that color and, and logo print. So the, the goal of the product is really to create a more aesthetic and respectful packaging for the end consumer. Um, secondly, is to save you time. It saves you 825% of your time when wrapping art. So it now takes you an average three to nine seconds comparatively to the average 15 to 20 minutes it would originally take you. And um, it's a much safer alternative uh, to bubble wrap because bubble wrap is actually a plastic active substance, which means if you're using it directly on your art, you're actually taking a very high risk of leaving permanent bubble wrap marks on the artwork. And, uh, and yeah, it's just a very convenient product. <laughs> and um, how, what, what about the costs? I mean, presumably the, one of the points is it can be reused. So, um, but how much, how much, have you worked out how much, a, how much it would cost for traditional wrapping, which is very unsustainable. And as you say, and very time consuming, how much do your products cost compared to that? Yes, so we've positioned ourselves lower, uh, our prices lower to what it would traditionally cost you. Um, Spongy, what we try to do is we, we try to help uh, companies create circular economies, as, as you mentioned, so reusing, reusing, reusing. In the long term, it's, it's much more affordable and it's more financially sustainable for businesses to actually replace uh, bubble wrap and all the traditional use with spongy bags. In the short term, if you're an artist purchasing um, I, I'm going to take the, the smallest spongy bags as an example here. Smallest spongy bags is around 30, 30, 
$30 around. And it will cost you an approximate $50, even more, to purchase all the materials I mentioned to wrap that uh, a work of that same size. Wow. So it's much easier for you to just buy one small spongy bag because you don't need to have the you don't need to go through the hassle of buying these five or more different materials to wrap just that one artwork and it's cheaper for you um the the customer to just buy one spongy bag that's amazing and um the material obviously what i'm thinking is that to keep these costs down you're going to have to source uh, your materials from competitive markets um where do, where do the materials come from and are, are there any kind of ethical issues with like the people at the source of the making that we hear about all the time you know maybe not getting paid that much for it or how, how would you answer that question and um, so we we are working with a manufacturer in india which we found there is a second one um, because we we like to have backups always there's a, there's a plan b's so there's a second one in romania as well that we're in contact with and we've made sure we we chose manufacturers that uh, implement sustainability within their business model and offer eco-friendly alternatives of course because our product is a 100 eco-friendly product and um, in terms of as well the way workers are paid uh, fair wage is very important for us, especially me coming from Madagascar. I, um, I mean, people is very imp important for me. People are is just it's something that comes first and foremost, and uh, giving back to community. So it's something that definitely I looked into, and uh, and yeah, so far, so far we we're happy with our with our choice. <laughs> and I, I just just as something from my own experience, and I, I think a lot of the people listening will have had this experience where you you purchase a work of art and you want to take it home rather than have it you know sent because it's cheaper for one thing but you're also excited you want to get back home so the other day i was in that situation i was at a mayfair gallery i want i i i I'd obtained a, a a quite large um you know limited edition multiple print from an artist that i love and um uh, it, it, it was basically wrapped in bubble wrap, and I was only taking it home on the on the tube across London. Um, but it was quite—I could just about. So basically, it had no handles, so I had to hold it by mm. the the nylon string which they put on it to <laughs> hang it, you know, for me, which it's hanging on now. So the string is nylon, which isn't great. Um, but it also, at first, it feels. I walked up and down the gallery just to check that I was going to be able to carry it back, and it and it, and it felt okay, but. Within five minutes of walking through Mayfair, it was beginning to get um, uncomfortable because it was quite large, although it wasn't heavy. And um, and these nylon strings were cutting into my hands. So when I Ouch. so by the time I got home, I'd been kind of shifting it from right to left arm because it was really uncomfortable after a period of time. Um, and then I saw a video of one of your bags with a very very similar you know large work in it with these lovely kind of cloth what appeared to be cloth handles and I thought that's exactly what that gallery needs and what <laughs> I needed I'm just, I'm just telling that little yeah. anecdotal story because it I, I when I saw your your stuff I suddenly thought actually that that is a really good idea but also of course very often galleries don't have their logos on the you know they just pack the, the, the images up because a lot of people don't really want to everyone to know it's a painting anyway 
I guess that that yeah. But I mean, it, it's it's also good marketing for the gallery to have their logo on the bag, and then you reuse it. Yes, yes, and it's it's a problem we we all have to deal with today. Trying to find a way to carry the work, but it's just tiring. It's complicated. How yeah. are you going to carry a painting that measures one meter times one meter? It's you need handle. You need real handles. Yeah. Yes. But that's what this was, and it was uncomfortable. So, <laughs> and also, you know, the pa the package the packaging is now. I can't even put it in our uh, our local council is very good at recycling, but bubble wrap has to go in the normal bin and will end up on you oh, know no. a, on a dump uh, because they won't they only recycle certain kinds of plastics. Oh, so no. I think that's the and the bu bubble wrap is you know. Um, we have a logistics degree at the Institute as well, as you probably know, uh, and, yeah. uh, and electors and so on. And um, we, bubble wrap is, is, is a very common material used for wrapping in galleries and there, there must be huge amounts of it. And it's really unecological, I would say. I think that yes. there have been some experiments with all this stuff about, oh, it's um, biodegradable, but you know, <laughs> that isn't necessarily the answer. It often takes ages to, to, to biodegrade anyway. But anyway, and anyway, um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Even oh. if it is a biodegradable, you're still throwing it away. It's still exactly. something that you're, you're not... throwing out. Anyway. So it's, it's <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 that sounds great. So in terms of funding the business, Elsa, um, presumably, you did you have to put that much money into the original idea and sourcing of materials and the beginning to create? Did, did that did that require more I guess what I'm saying is that did you just take that out of your own savings and money uh, when it when it was at the start of the idea so at the start of the idea I invested my own capital yes sure. and also my my family did help a little bit <laughs> yeah and, and and then um how did you we've I think we've spoken about further developing the brand spongy bags and marketing it did you have anything else to say about going forward with uh with 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 the way you're going to market and brand it and maybe actually now is the time that we talk a little bit about this um this this competition you went in for at Sotheby's Institute of Art which was open to um institute alumni and current students all over the world in our New York and uh London and online uh, groups they were all welcome to join it um so uh did you um and and i think one of the one of one of the parts of the prize is that they give you some seed capital and i think you shared the prize <laughs> with another person that you were you were co-winners and uh, i think the prize was something like thirty thousand us dollars so so what will that money be useful and, and what will you do with that money will you put it into marketing and branding or or, or something else uh, so uh, to answer firstly the first part of your question in terms of uh, the brand development, development and marketing, um, uh, one of our first investments, well, one of my first investments actually was uh, getting in contact with a creative agency that um, created a video production and product photography. And the goal, the goal for that was to create credibility for the startup from the start. And, um, and in terms of uh, the, the progress and the prize that I've just, uh, uh, that Spongy Bags has just been awarded, it's as you said, so 25,000 in seed funding, 
one year of office space in New York City, uh, mentorship for one year, and also introductions. Um, so, I mean, this is, it's, it's abs I'm so happy about it. Um, there was also, they, the judges decided to award this prize to another startup as well. So we are two people who have won the prize, which I think is very generous of them. And, um, and I mean, with this going forward, it's going to help us expand. Um, we're planning on hopefully finalizing our partnerships with institutions and art fairs with this. And uh, again, also we'll, we'll have more capital to um, enlarge the team and, and help businesses create circular economies. And uh, the office space will, will also help us uh, with in terms of logistics and, and uh, stock of spongy bags. And uh, yes, we're also hopefully planning of opening a, a pop-up as well in, uh, in the beginning of the academic year. So there's many, there's many things that are exciting about uh, that are coming up and, and this prize is, has definitely helped us, yes. And will continue to help us for the coming year. And um, <laughs> do, would they expect any kind of shares back that, or are they just giving that money without any um, strings attached as it were? So um, they said they're, they're just going to discuss it and get back to us okay. in a few days. <laughs> but um, I believe it's a, it's a prize. So yeah. I don't think they, they will be asking for shares. Uh, I did hear that everything is negotiable. Um, so, so uh, we that's, will negotiate. <laughs> that's good news. And I mean, to be honest, no, I, I guess we're getting into slightly confidential territory there. But to be honest, um, I, in my experience, it can actually help a business if they know that they've got to succeed with the seed capital to, to, pro to produce shares for the people that have lent them the money because it often then leads to more money. So it's not necessarily a bad idea should people actually want some kind of return on their investment, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a, bit like, it's a bit like giving too much pocket money to your kid. You know, you won't see it again. <laughs> <You know, that's weird. laughs> um, and I, I was just thinking about the coming back to the actual event of the where. So, so basically for the listeners um, that we, we had this live event, it was physically live in, in, in London and and New York um, and then it was online yeah. at the same time um, and the, the yeah. panel of judges is it's quite an interesting panel in terms of what the kind of enterprise art business enterprise ideas they were looking for so there was Michael Chung who's actually the CEO of Brand Ed which is um, you know one of the governing agencies of Sotheby's Institute of Art it does all our branding and marketing for us um, Michael's a very influential person in that team, very creative person in that team. Uh, a guy called Adam Dinwiddie, who's the product team leader at Fairchain, which I think speaks for itself, Fairchain. Um, and Melanie Gurlis, who's another MAB alumna, who's uh, the art market columnist for the Financial Times. And I, in fact, I was speaking to her because she we had a degree graduation ceremony, which she was at the other day, and she was very excited by the Enterprise Studio and the, and the final and your work in particular. And um, Vish Kumar, Vish Kumar, I don't know whether you realize he, he's another MAB London alumnus um, who, who's very entrepreneurial, very into tech. And he's co-founder of this new kind of camera called the Alice Camera, which I won't 
talk about at the moment. Um, and then there was Jeremy Rhodes, who's director of business development or orig originations for Yield Street, Athena Art Finance. So there was a kind of finance person involved. That team, it seems to me, was kind of perfect, really, for your pitch, because, you know, it, it's about sustainability um, and, um, and, 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 so, and so on. Um, but what, what I was going to ask you is, um, in the Q&A session at the end of your pitch, what, what did the panel like about your idea and were there any criticisms or improvements they suggested? So I think um, what they what they liked about it was firstly, as you mentioned, the fact that I'm in in sustainability. Um, there, I mean, our product is also one that has a patent and trademark pending and also the innovation that it's an all in one product now. Um, and it replaces all of other materials needed and the convenience, the, the fact that it's, it also saves you time and it's, it's an investment for businesses and it creates more sustainable uh, business models in the long term and it saves businesses capital in the long term. I think that, but I think really what, what played a very big role is the fact that I'm into sustainability and that our packaging is is a very big problem of that we still face today and it's one where we it's it's an urgency really we need a solution right now um and i think that that is that that is what um played played the biggest role <laughs> yeah that and, and they, they, there were five other students pitching their ideas and just for the benefit of the listeners just briefly to say what these were because i think it'll interest the the listeners and then i quite like you to, to to maybe comment on any of the other contributions that you you liked or or whatever uh, so natalia Bugse is a, is a student of ml out business um, in new york uh, these are all Sotheby's Institute students. Uh, her idea was uh, educational, creative-based, stimulating art program for seniors, uh, people of my age group, I guess. <laughs> and um, then there was Emma Collins, um, who uh, is, a, is an alumna of the MA Contemporary Art London. Uh, she had a really interesting idea, as far as I'm concerned, with my background, um, contemporary art consultancy for heritage organisations. In other words, putting contemporary art into an English country house uh, you know, older, older art collection. Then there was Rachel Isham, MA Art Business New York, Side Art, a non-exclusive online gallery that supports artists located in coastal towns and cities within the US. And I believe that was the one that co-won with yours. And then there was Isabel Dejaro, MA Fine and Decorative Art and Design in New York, um, and paired with Maria uh, Meshkarskaya, uh, an alumna of MA Art Business New York, and their idea was a, an NFT boutique, a space where fine arts meet technology. And then there was Yazi Seng, a student of MA Art Business London, currently studying with me. Uh, and her idea was video takeout, an intelligent plugin for moving image exhibitions. So were there any of those that particularly took your fancy and that you might have invested in if you'd been on the panel? Yes, I think uh, Natalia Busek, I think that's how you pronounce her name. Yeah. Uh, her idea really stood out to me because, again, it's it's a product that's very much related to people, and uh, and that's something I I I am very attached to, and uh, helping. I mean, offering, as you mentioned, offering an educational and creative based simulating art program for seniors, and she also showed that. It's something that works. She had proved that she had proved that it, it is something that is feasible. Um, and so 
yes, for change, changing, creating an impact for me is what I look for when in terms of startups and, and businesses. And I think her idea is something that definitely can create an impact. So hers definitely stood out, but all of, all of the ideas, all of the finalists had amazing ideas and, and amazing startup ideas. And I, I hope that they do continue to work on them, even if they didn't get to the, even if they didn't win, you know, the final prize. <laughs> yeah, and I, th I think that quite a lot, a couple of them, like Yazi is, is a current student of the MA, and it's very busy time, as you remember as well. Um, and yes. um, but I, I think that there's no reason why she couldn't reapply next year once she's perhaps further developed the idea and maybe got a little bit further along the line as 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 you had, i.e. actually yeah. patent pending in, in a sense and already <laughs> already sort of establishing the business and selling it. Um, and um, so so I think we're beginning to come to an end of the podcast, Elsa. So what I was going to ask you is um, what advice would you have for our current art business students and anyone else listening who's interested in you know starting maybe an unusual art business as an entrepreneurial maybe disruptive idea uh, or maybe recent alumni listening in might be interested in um, do you have any any advice of how you might put yourself in that world so i would say it's uh what you first you need to do is you need to identify firstly what the gap is in the in the market and whatever it is that you you are looking to create or do something in and then uh, know your audience so well and even create relationships with them to the point where they cannot decline whatever it is that you have to offer and also remember simply that climbing the peak of a mountain is never easy so it firstly it's something that's going to take you time and you shouldn't take that for granted <laughs> and um it's on your way on on your way there you're going to fall and make mistakes but it's about getting back up stronger than before and and continuing if you believe if you believe in your product other people will believe in it so the most important i would say is that you you are the spokesperson to whatever it is that you've created so make sure you you are a representation of that <laughs> That's what I would say. Fantastic. And I think certainly Elsa, I think listeners will agree that you've come over as someone who's very sincere about the art, about what you're doing in the art world, your own practice, but also the, the fact that these this idea of sustainability came out of your own practice. I think that's another important thing. So, you know, might add to what you've said, but, you know, go for something that's coming out of your your own passions and your own practice, your own interests, if you like, rather than trying to think, oh, something completely artificial and outside of it. I, I think also if it's going to succeed, it's got to partly come from, from something that's already there that has the seeds inside you, as it were. Most definitely. You have to be passionate about whatever it is that you do. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. it won't last. <laughs> anyway, we wish you we wish you luck and um, success in 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 the in the enterprise. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll all keep our eyes on um, on, on, on how, how it goes. And hopefully within a couple of years, we'll be seeing you at stands at major art fairs, you know, uh, marketing and selling selling your products. That's what I would hope to see. <laughs> that, that is the goal. Hopefully we get them very soon. Thank, thank you so much anyway, for having me on the podcast. Yes. 
And thank you very much, Elsie, for, for being our guest today. Thank you.